SMA just approved about a month and a half ago, and I will be going to live with Live Dead Silk Road at the table out there, and I'll be in Kyrgyzstan for two years. So if you have any questions about what it means to sign up and get going with it, since I'm fresh in the process, I'd be happy to answer questions. So, yeah. Thank you. Come try some guru at the table. We got snacks. It's, really good. it's like salty cheese. It's really good. It's salty cheese. It can be good or it can not be good. But how many of you know we're going to like talk about here when we're in community? Sometimes we're going to have to eat things we don't like. Yes? Anybody have a friend who likes something you don't like? Yes. If you're not raising your hand, you need more friends. Okay? I'm just going to say that. Like, what's up with that? I mean, I've been married 30 years. We don't like the same things. My daughter, you know, when you're a little kid, you're like, oh, you don't like mangoes, I can't be your friend. I'm like, Sophie, why would you like totally be a friend with people who don't like mango? That's more mango for you. <laughs> Gotta be strategic in your thinking, boys and girls. Okay, think strategically. Okay, we're gonna wait a few more minutes because on the salt schedule says we're starting at 10.45. And so we're gonna, you know, maybe start at 10.45. Uh, meanwhile, we'll take any questions you have. Anybody have any questions about anything? What's the meaning of life? Yes. Okay, we need every group to have a paper and at least one pen. Does everybody have that? Okay, do you want me to give you the first instruction? We can kind of get started a little bit, then we'll catch people up if they come in late. Can we do that? Okay, so we're going to talk today. We're going to just go ahead and get started. So if you want to start recording. Bad, bad. It's already started. Oh, it's already started. Yeah. Wow. We'll we just cut the. We'll just cut that part out. Okay. We're gonna take crazy things now. They have to cut out. No. Uh, my name is Belkis Lehman, and I'm the diversity director for Chi Alpha. We have a department in Chi Alpha called Chi Alpha Diversity, and our job in as in Chi Alpha Diversity, we have three priorities: to equip our staff to build healthy multi-ethnic ministries, to mobilize ethnic minorities. That means we believe it takes the whole body of Christ to reach and fulfill the mission of Christ. Does that make sense? And third, to reach HBCUs, which we are gonna like expand that into other, what we call MSIs, minority serving institutions, like tribal colleges and other places like that. But we've been focused on HBCUs for the past 10 years and we're making a little traction, praise the Lord for that, right? Uh, okay, so that's what we do. And what we're gonna do here today is we're gonna have a conversation about the, the culture of the kingdom. Okay, and we're going to talk about it because, you know, when you listen, you only retain about 15% of what you hear. But when you talk about something, it's more, you, you, you integrate it more. Does that make sense? And then we also think you guys have a lot of intelligent things to share, and so we want to facilitate that. What is the kingdom of God? What is the culture of the kingdom? Well, the kingdom of God is a place where God is king. Is that simple? Okay, and then the culture is, what is, you know, like what's culture? Culture is the stuff of like how things are done. What, what is valued? Anybody ever like you've been from one country to another, either you immigrated, your family immigrated to this country, or you've traveled outside the US, Who, who's done that? And you notice some things that were different. Somebody want to give me an example of something you saw that was different in one country to another? Food, food is different. And what's funny about the food is something that you think are like totally gross, people love. Yes? And, and it could be like, it's so normal to you. Like for me, I'm a Cuban, I, we love guava. And we make a lot of things with guava and like guava paste 
and it's super sweet, you get it because you're Puerto Rican, you know, you, the Puerto Ricans get the guava obsession. Okay, we're kind of obsessed with it. I found this, I'm also gluten-free, and I found this gluten-free Reiki in Miami, and I wanted cinnamon rolls, I love cinnamon rolls, and you can't have, they're very hard to find gluten-free. And I found this bakery, and I went there, and they had them, but they also had guava rolls. Oh my gosh, I was like, I have died and gone to heaven. And so I, of course, bought some, and they sold them frozen, so I have some frozen in my freezer right now, okay? So, but I've had, I've given guava to other people, and they think, what is that? I'm gonna confess my own husband's not a big fan. It hurts my heart a little bit, but, you know, like what's totally normal to me is not normal to him. That's just a food thing. That's not even how we do things. Give me an example of something that how how you do things that is different. Yes, sir. Manners. Manners. Like what? What would give me an example? Um, I did a uh, uh, Spanish majors, so I had to study abroad in Spain. So all my professors were from Latin America, and so I went there and Spain was a completely different set of <laughs> words and like way of doing things. Like you go to. Uh, someone from Mexico, and they're like, hi, good morning, good morning, how are you, how are you? And you like, do this interchange, but in Spain, they're like, what do you want? Cheese? Here's your cheese. And that's totally okay. Yes. The Spaniards, I guess sometimes, I hope, there's any Spaniards here, you know, it's gonna be get recorded. Sometimes people can have a hard time going there, especially if they've been to Latin America. It's, they're very different culturally. And you know, so probably Cubans were a little bit more like the Spanish than we are like, you know, the Mexicans. So it's, it's fine for me, but you know, not fine for you if you're hanging out with me, you're like, wow, that lady's kind of rude. Okay, so you know, so yeah, the way things are done are different. So how do we determine what is actually good normal? Does that make sense? What is actually the normal thing? And is, yes, we all have our own cultures which come from our ethnicity, our experiences, our family. There's a lot of individuality, right? And, and everything that's ours is normal, right? We think that's the normal way of doing it. But then there's a kingdom of God. And what we need to do is really become students of God's kingdom and say, what is normal in the kingdom? And whatever is in conflict with that, I need to let go out of my life. And whatever is in continuity, I need to grow and I need to share. Does that make sense? I need to share, and I find that sometimes, I'm gonna to talk to our ethnic minority peoples in this room right now, I find that sometimes our, those of us who are ethnic minorities, we're part of a Chi Alpha group, and we have a strength in our culture. Let's say for me as a Latin American, I think a strength of our culture, of our Christian culture, is we are really strong in prayer. Okay, would you agree with that, Eric? Man, we know how to pray. Latin Americans, Christians, we know how to pray. But sometimes we're not sharing that into our Chi Alpha community because we're just embarrassed, or we think it's not our place to do that, or we're just, we just it's easier to assimilate into the majority culture. But that's not a loving response. We're not gonna be the strongest community we can be if each of us are not bringing our strengths to bear. Does that make sense? So the first thing we're gonna do is we're gonna define what is God's kingdom culture. And we're gonna do that. That's what you have that piece of paper for. You're gonna do that in your group. And I want you to make as quickly as you can a list Let's say a five, let's start with five. Five attributes of the kingdom. And the easiest way to come up with that is this. What are the attributes of Jesus? See, Jesus perfectly reflects the kingdom of God, 100%. So if you 
think of Jesus' attributes, and that is that's a kingdom attribute. Does that make sense? So in your groups, sit and talk and say, okay, let's pick up five things, and then when you're done with that list of five things, put them, bring them to this girl, tall girl in the, with the blonde hair, and she's gonna put them up on the screen here, and we're gonna all look at them together. Okay, ready, set, go. Devontae Porter. I'm on staff at North Carolina State University for five years and glad to meet y'all. Hey, what's up, y'all? My name is Devon, and my wife Mary and I are pioneers at the HBCUs here in Atlanta. Not here in Atlanta, but because we're in Tennessee. So. <laughs> 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 and Atlanta, and we're at Morehouse, Spelman, and Clark Atlanta. Hey, I'm Eric, and I serve at Austin Peay State University, and that's in Clarksville, Tennessee. My wife is in the room. She's awesome, beautiful, and pregnant with our third baby. My name is David Lau. I'm on staff at the UNC Chi Alpha at UNC Chapel Hill, and. So I know we just kind of went through in your groups about kingdom diversity, sorry, kingdom culture, sorry, what that looks like. Um, but now I'm going to introduce a couple of individuals who are going to share kind of what does kingdom culture kind of look like, you know, for them, you know, in their, in their personal stories. And so without further ado, I'm going to introduce um, a couple of the people who are going to share. It's going to be Eric is going to share, then it's going to be Shyla. It's gonna be David, and it's gonna be Bree. So I'm gonna get off the mic and let them share their stories. So here you go, Eric. All right, so the question that we're answering is how does your culture exhibit kingdom culture? Like, so I'm Mexican, and that's, my parents were born there. I was born in the States, but I'm Mexican, and that's like my, my culture. And one of the thing about Mexicans is that we tend to be pretty generally very hospitable. And uh, a story that I have, so about a year ago, uh, around Thanksgiving, I connected with a student from Nigeria. Uh, he's one of my best friends now, his name is Coyote, and uh, he, I invited him to Thanksgiving, and it's funny, I invited him to Thanksgiving at a Mexican home for an American holiday. <laughs> And so it was gonna look very different. He was gonna experience something very different, nothing traditional. And what I love about my family growing up and just the story is that when he arrived, he was a stranger, they didn't really know him, uh, but they just welcomed him in and 
treated him like family and like very like just showed just a genuine love and uh, like he was fed. Like I mean tamales, pozole, frijoles, and he loved it. You know, there's some similarities, the spices, you know, in Nigerian cuisine and Mexican cuisine. And and they were generally interested in his life, and like they would ask, like even now that he's back, they ask about him, or when he's with me and I'm on the phone with them, uh, they get excited to talk about him. It almost feels like family. Um, and I, I feel like that type of hospitality is reflected in, in the way Jesus uh, did life on earth, that kind of culture that he was establishing that was a part of the kingdom of God. Uh, and then also, a culture aspect of Mexicans that exists. And I had something else, but as I was praying, I felt like it just reminded me of this example uh, from what I've seen growing up and uh, just around the Mexican community uh, where I live in Alabama, and is that Mexicans are really hardworking. They work really, really hard for their families to provide. Uh, this is a joke, if I, I don't know if I'm close to say this, but like, uh, when I worked in construction, like during school, uh, the joke was like, uh, this company will build a house in 30 days, Mexicans will do it in half that time. And with quality, just because they work that hard. But as I was thinking of that work ethic, is that it tended to cultivate, even I saw, I see it in my family and I've seen it and I remember this lack of dependency on the Father. And it made me think of like what Jesus was saying like during the Sermon on the Mount of like Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you And just like part of being in the kingdom of God is just like this full dependency on the Father And working hard and or seeking pursuing excellence. I'm not saying don't do that or be lazy But what I see like this trend that I saw happening is that and tends to be present is this lack of dependency on the Father a lack of rest in the Father. And even in my family, I wouldn't see Sabbath. I wouldn't see getting away and just being still with Him. And like Sabbath is something that's commanded and like even Jesus practiced it. And so like, why, why don't I see it there? And it, it created something in me that, oh, I have to be enough, I have to be enough, I have to be enough, even in ministry. And so like when problems would arise or whatever would arise, Instead of like, hey, Father, I need you. What do you want? I can't do this. It's like, all right, I got to figure this out. I got to figure out this problem. It's on me. I put it on my shoulders. And I just like burn myself out. And it just leads to disappointment and bitterness. And that's like far from the, like the heart of the Father and far from the kingdom of God and what that's supposed to look like. So those are some examples that I've seen in Mexican culture that either line up or maybe don't line up as much. Hey, y'all, I don't know if y'all know this, but I am a black woman. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. But one thing about my culture that I feel like represents Jesus well is that we like to encourage people very well. Um, we also like to celebrate. And I feel like we got that from our ancestors, so Africans do celebration better than we do, but we still love to celebrate. But with encouragement, you can be the worst of the worst, but we'll still encourage you in that way. Like, I have a, I have a brother from another mother who 
you know, he loves to dance, bless his heart. And so, like, he's not the best dancer, you know, but I love that he loves to dance. And so I'm going to, I always encourage him. I'm like, you go, Will. You do your thing. Even though I know you should not be on, like, so you think you can dance. Like, I would be loving enough to tell him not to do that. Um, and so, but that reflects Jesus because he calls out in us already what he thinks we can do or knows what we can do first. And so, um, and so that's an encouragement. He's like, Shiloh, you're going to be this, right? You're not this person anymore, but you're someone who's my daughter, someone who is, you know, the father's daughter who is going to do this, right? You're going to do great things. And so with uh, black culture, we encourage you, even though you're stuck in that area first. Kind of like with um, Jesus says um, to Peter, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And so he celebrates your future even though you're not quite there just yet right and one thing the flip side of that that we tend to um, really suck at is the part of we actually tear down um, each other with our jokes our jokes can be a little bit bitter so we don't like to get be vulnerable because your vulnerability will turn into a joke and later you'll be the joke of the of the day kind of and so that's something that I feel like doesn't reflect uh, Jesus very well because you learn at an early age that hey if there's something wrong with me at least in my family other people's families that if you mess up or if you let's say you have a stuttering problem or whatever like that would be the fo core focus of our joke and like for some reason, I don't know why, but joking within the black culture, like, will always pinpoint your weakest part and make fun of that. So for us, we have to look tough on the outside. We can't share our vulnerability. We can't, um, like, we lack trust because of that. And so when coming to know Jesus, um, I was like, I can't trust y'all. Like, I don't know what this information I tell you, how is that going to be reflected within the community around you? Because there's a lot of gossip within the black community as well because of that joking and stuff. And so those are some of the things that I experienced in my life within the black community where we can, we're very well at encouraging people, but we're also, we'll also take that in to tear you down. And so those are some of the things that um, within our culture. Worship is often associated with the sacrifice of the Yeah, so um, it's probably obvious at this point that I am of Asian descent. <laughs> uh, my upbringing was very unique in the sense where my grandparents left China. And so the Chinese culture I'm familiar with basically went up to like the 1940s and then it stuck, it stayed there. So for all of their Chinese descent, we're probably a lot more different than I hate than I want to admit, but that's besides the point. Anyhow, so uh, thinking about how my Chinese culture, which more accurately, my family culture, uh, is similar to the kingdom. Uh, I thought to myself, like, you know, I guess the common theme that happens with my family is we have a thing about doing things with excellence, whether it's in the moral category or in performance. You know, there are things you don't do, you know, because those are things you want to avoid. In Asian culture, there's a thing we call honor and shame culture. There are things you do because it's the honorable thing to do. 
And then there are things you avoid to do because it brings dishonor to yourself, to your family and such. So you always pursue things that are honorable. And that's partly why if you're from an Asian culture or if you know friends who are of Asian descent, that's partly why there's the emphasis of be a doctor, be an engineer, be a lawyer. Those are honorable. You don't hear them talk about go for these other jobs because they're not quite as honorable. But then you don't go for the other things because they're more dishonorable. So you always go for the honorable stuff. Um, but that being said, I felt like if it's similar to kingdom, it's like how, you know, in kingdom culture, we want to do things with excellence. We want to be good witness to the people that we're around. And so you always do things that's, you know, honorable to you, to your coworkers, to your classmates, to your sweet mates, maybe, to your friends, just really whomever you're around. And you don't want to bring dishonor to the people you're around. And that's why we do these things. We want to do things that's respectful. And that's something I've grown to appreciate in my family. Now, on the flip side of where it's different, the, the shame part comes in. Um, I feel like in my family, at least the part of the Chinese part I'm familiar with, we don't handle shortcomings very well. There's there's a lot of lack of grace. Um, you know, if there is a moral failure, for instance, that's something you're going to be remembered for many years. It might get brought up a lot. It's just you're kind of remembered for the things you fell short on. And so there's not really much of a grace. You know, if you say, did a B, got a B or a C on some test, you're gonna be remembered for that B and C. You're gonna be remembered for that one time you did not do well. That was what happened to me. I got a D on my first social studies report and my mom still keeps reminding me about that every now and then. So, so, um, so I feel you if your parents are still getting on you about that one time you did not do so well in that exam. Um, but then even if you, I guess, just fall short of any expectation, they just don't handle it well with grace. They tend to just keep reminding that. And that is an area I felt, um, just as an up, bringing up in that culture, I was like, okay, I see this a lot in kingdom culture, but I wish I see more in my culture. So that's an area of, uh, I guess, weakness that I wished my culture was more like the kingdom itself. Okay, should I make a joke about being a part of the Caucasian nation? I feel like I have to now. You know, like, staying where everybody's from. No. Um, I think what I've realized, and what, like, through conversation and stuff, um, just about European Americans, white Americans, whatever you say, uh, is that we do have a high standard of excellence as well in a lot of circles, kind of like you mentioned. And I noticed, like, we create systems, like, we're very good at creating systems to, like, make a model for excellence like we want to have high standards and we want to kind of have a widespread experience of excellence across the board um and i think another thing through conversation with some other people that i was having and i got that idea from shyla because she's way more communal than i am um is that with privilege certain privileges like the advantage of that is being brave which is like not easy but if that's like a character attribute of Christ as well and I'm just seeing that play out more and more in my own life and my own family about being brave and stepping out um, and thinking of community before self um, I was home like a while back and my mom asked me just about a part of my life that she knows about and she's like would you ever share this publicly like would you ever talk to people just about your story and whatever and I looked at her and I was like yeah without question and she was like, have you ever thought about your family or just other people, how it would affect you? And I was like, no, like, I thought about myself first. I would share this because, like, I'm not ashamed God's transformed my life. 
I didn't even think about my family. I didn't think about all the pastors who like helped raise me, my parents. Like I thought about myself first and without question, I was like, yeah, like I did not think about honor shame like with my family at all. So that's not something we have. And so a con may be a weakness, if you will, of the culture that I'm a part of is hyper individualism. And uh, just, you know, with a few conversations I've had with other missionaries and other people from people groups that are different than mine, like, we are so hyper-individualistic here in the United States, and especially, like, I feel like in my family and my family heritage, um, we get obsessed with ambition, efficiency, productivity, uh, but we do that out of a place of, like, striving from an individual perspective. Uh, and then, like, you have weak spots and blind spots you don't even know about. Um, and so that's one thing I envy and am trying to do good at learning, you know, from my other colleagues and friends and uh, that I can bring into my culture and my family dynamic as well. All right. So we're going to take some time and take 10 minutes in response in your small groups and just talk about some of the stories that you guys relate to. Okay. So you guys go ahead and get in groups, groups of three, and just share some of the things and stories that you guys relate to.
being more vulnerable and being more open, but also responding to that in a loving way and not just hearing it and letting it go out the other ear. Like actually saying, okay, if that's gonna affect you, you know, kind of like what Paul was saying, you know, for the Gentiles, I'll be a Gentile. If that joke's gonna be offensive to you and it's gonna, you know, compromise the mission, I'm going to not tell that joke. All right? So really that's what we were really talking about. Thank you. I'll call somebody up like a teacher.
you know, because we're a more individualistic culture, when a student comes in, we think of that student. We don't think of them as a part of a, of a family. And so I, I hear sometimes from students, and especially from a lot of our ethnic minority people who become missionaries, my parents felt very dishonored by Chi Alpha. You know, I had a gal say to me, a Colombian gal, you know, I became a missionary, but my mom was like, nobody ever asked me if I was okay with that. Now, in an American th thought, you think, well, it's not your decision, right? That's what you think. Well, why would we ask you? Like, that has nothing to do with you. It's your daughter's life. But that's not the Latin way of thinking. Does that make sense? So, like, I, how, can we, how can we honor parents? And so just, you know, a practical thing is if you're not doing parents' nights or parents' weekends or parents' something, you have to, you can't honor people you haven't actually met. Okay? So I would encourage you, make sure that you're working in some way that parents are invited into your kind office space at some moment in time so that you can meet them. Just inviting them in will make them feel honored. Listening to them. They may have some things you don't want to hear. I'm going to say that right now. But listening to their complaints, that is going to make them feel honored. And then when you want to take your, their students away to think something like salt, retreat, being a little bit more proactive of like, do I need to call your parent? Or, you know, if you're out, you know, a lot of us Chi Alpha missionaries, or how many Chi Alpha missionaries in here, raise your hand. You know, we travel about, right? We're like on the road sometimes going places. Maybe like during some of those trips, if you know a student is from a certain place going and visiting their parents. Hey, I'm gonna be in your town. I'd love to go and meet your parents. So I know that that's like not what we ordinarily think of as our job. But you know, and even if you're thinking, let me say, give this last little bit of advice and then Jessica's gonna come up and close us in prayer. Um, this last little bit of advice, if you are thinking about becoming a missionary with a Chi Alpha or anybody else, and whatever ethnic group you're from, I'm gonna have to tell you, Bree works with me, she's a white gal, she came up here and talked about the you know, Caucasian nation, okay? And you know, we do all those honoring things with her parents, okay? We invited her parents in, you know, she works with us, we said, hey, you wanna come in? We talked to them, we answered their questions. Uh, Bree, did your parents appreciate that? Did they not say, oh, you know, we're just not, that's not our culture, we're good with that. They, they're her parents and they love her. Okay, so if you're thinking about becoming a missionary, your parents are not gonna like, that's gonna be a hard pill for them to swallow. I'm just gonna tell you that right now, okay? It's gonna be hard. And if you show up, they wanna say, hey, I'm not gonna be a doctor anymore, I'm gonna be a missionary. That's not the way to do it, boys and girls, okay? There is, use a little wisdom, okay? A little wisdom, okay? And some things you can do besides introducing them to your Chi Alpha staff so that they can see, hey, these are people who changed my life and they can see a value in that job. Does that make sense? They can meet these people and see, oh, these are valuable people. They're doing valuable work. That's one thing you can do. The other thing that I heard from a student, uh, a current missionary now, that when he was a student, he took his small group home with him. If you're a small group leader, considering taking your small group home, if that's feasible for you. Sometimes the distances are too far, that's not feasible. But you know, if you take people home, like Eric mentioned taking this Nigerian guy to his house, that lets his parents know, this is what you do. Because sometimes parents don't understand what we do, okay? But if you like, you take your, if you're thinking about, I'm thinking about being a missionary one day, take your small group there so that they can see, oh, my child is affecting people's lives. And they're gonna see a value that even if they're not believers,
they will see a value in that and you can start helping them think, oh, this might be a valuable profession. Because what all they see is, why would you do that? You're not getting paid, okay? So that's just two little things that I think that those of us who come from more parent honoring cultures, which is like one of the 10 commandments, boys and girls, okay? We, can, we definitely need to help the rest of us who aren't so great at that. Yes? Amen. Okay? If you have questions, I want every all the area diversity team to stand up again. You may have questions. You're like, oh, I have a question about this. I have a question about that. You can talk to any of these folks. You can come talk to me. We'd love to talk to you. And, uh, yeah. So thank you so much for coming and joining us today in this breakout. I hope it was beneficial to you. Yes. These people were way more louder than, who would have thought the diversity breakout would get like beaten loudness? <laughs> Dan, I feel like ashamed of myself. They cheated, they got it. Jessica, come on, close us in prayer. Why don't we all stand up? Before I pray, I just want to encourage you guys, like if, like take a moment, just like write down those questions that you had. I ask questions like this with the girls that are in my small group all the time, and it's so easy to have conversations like this. And these kinds of things should be happening on like the most basic, like friendship, discipleship, relationships. You know, like this is part of God's heart, so it should just be naturally flowing through who we are. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much. God, I thank you for how you've created us in your image. Lord, I thank you um, just for the diversity that we see across nations, across languages, even just across neighborhoods, Father God, in one area. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to be people who are sensitive to being able to see differences in others and celebrating them and rejoicing with them, Father God. Lord, I pray that you would make us to be people who desire to learn from other people that are different than us. Father God, right now, I just pray that whenever we notice differences, that there would never be comparison. God, I just pray that there would never be uh, pride or insecurity or bitterness. Father God, I pray that you would just begin to uproot any of those things that are in our heart that keeps us from fully valuing the diversity of your kingdom. And Father, I pray that we wouldn't just process those things by ourselves, but that we would like welcome other people into that process with us, Jesus. I pray that moving on, moving forward, Lord, that these conversations would just trickle to every single campus that's represented in this room, Father God. And Lord, I just pray that you would help Chi Alpha as a whole, help Chi Alpha in the Southeast, Father God, to be able to look more like your kingdom through representing more cultures, more thoughts, more ideas. And God, I pray that it would all be for your glory, that we would be reflecting your glory, that we would feel just a strong conviction to see how our culture can better reflect who you are so that way more people can come to the kingdom. We thank